0: So, a podcast in my car, I don't know, how would I even start this thing, oh yeah, sweet. This is Rick and I want to be the first to welcome you to a brand new podcast that I'm doing here called Under My Wheels. It's basically going to be me driving back and forth from work and trying to put together a podcast for you in the same time and just try to make it entertaining. Um, The reason I'm doing this is I spend two and a half hours in a car every day just driving Uh, and it gets really, really boring. And I'm a big podcast fan and a big -er. podcaster. Some of you are probably checking this out because you've heard other shows I've done. And if you haven't, then you've got a perfect opportunity right here, a great starting point to kind of see the madness and uh, the goofiness that is me. So I hope you're gonna enjoy this. I know I'm going to, it's gonna be a whole lot of fun and it's just gonna occupy a dull period (laughs) every day that I have here. My goal is to be able to release an episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and I'm going to see how that works out. I may have to change that but right now that's the plan is be able to release three shows a week and hopefully it'll be a part of maybe the start of your day. Something you may want to jump into your car and listen to on the way to work or just your commute to wherever or if you're going shopping or if you just like to listen to podcasts. This might be a good idea of something to check out. So again, to introduce myself, my name is Rick Morgan, and I have three different podcasts, and I've been a guest on some other shows. But my main shows, one is called the Hell Ming Power Hour, which is a uh, kind of a salute to the '70s and '80s, more '80s than anything else of kind of long-forgotten movies such as like Krull, Dragon Slayer, Golden Child, things kind of like that that were on HBO nonstop when we were kids. So uh, we kind of salute those kind of movies. Of course, the Hail Ming Power Hour. Hail Ming is from the Flash Gordon movie, so we just picked something that kind of represented that time period that uh, me and my buddy Danny Bennett were very fond of. So no, it's not just a Flash Gordon show. It has to do with just that time period. Uh, Another show I have is called Short Bus Cinema, which is me and my buddy Johnny Krug, who has a a back reputation of of great horror podcast as well. And he and I teamed up and started Short Bus Cinema. And it's basically the search for the worst movie ever made, the holy grail of bad movies. And uh, we have a blast with that show. It's kind of listener-driven. They kind of recommend movies for us. And we do a search and tell you if it's really that bad or not. The other show I have is a total horror podcast, which I just started uh, a couple of months ago. I'm only about seven episodes deep. And it's called House of Wax. Now that's not wax like candle wax. That's wax like with a, (laughs) like with a ax. So W-H-A-C-K-S, Wax, House of Wax. And uh, that's a new venture for me. And I'm trying to find something that with this just kind of opens it up to a lot of different things, a lot of different subjects, and it's going to be weird because I want to pretend like you're my passenger. You're with me. Uh, Lord knows you probably need to be driving. But anyways, having you here with me. You're my passenger and we're just having a conversation and hopefully you're gonna find this entertaining. Uh, The car that we're in, you would think, man, this Rick guy sounds like he's a hunk, right? He's probably driving some big muscle car. Nope! Couldn't be further from the truth. I'm driving a 2015 Chevy Spark. It's blue, it's a hatchback, and I personally call it the Blunicorn. And the reasoning being is right above the windshield on the roof of the car, there's an antenna that happens to look like a unicorn horn. So this thing going down the road has this little antenna sticking up on the top, and being that it's blue, I call it the Blunicorn. So you're getting this report straight from the Blunicorn, and uh, you'll be hearing that reference a lot in this show. So my plan here is just to offer up a lot of stuff, well mainly that I care about. Um, I'm a 70s kid, so all my childhood was raised in the 70s and I was a teenager in the 80s, so my heart is really in those areas. Uh, I'm a big movie buff, Uh, I used to be a big TV buff, I'm way behind on that, but uh, you know life takes over and you have to do those kind of things. But uh, I'm into a lot of pop culture, I'm into a lot of music, so it's going to be just a big mishmash of those kind of things, and I'm hoping as we go along you guys get more interactive with me, and uh, that's going to drive where a lot of this show goes. <laughs> drive. Get that? <laughs> and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun- hold on, let me- get out of the way! Alright, we're back on. So yeah, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. So one of these first things I want to try to attempt here is going to be just what's kind of recent in the movie news that's going on. So here's our stab at our first show and our first movie news. And the first thing I've got here is the news that came out today is Zack Snyder's Justice League cut reportedly not to be released. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the Justice League movie. I don't think you could put out 15 different versions. It's probably not going to change the verdict of just how flat that movie landed. Was it terrible? No. Was it good? Eh. On a personal level, I thought it was pretty weak. Uh, I don't see where this whole di- idea of Zack Snyder releasing another cut of it redeeming this movie in any form or fashion. I think it was a train wreck before it was even released almost kind of the same horror story that you hear behind what happened with the solo movie from the Star Wars franchise. It just got off on the wrong foot and it never seemed to get its footing back. So uh, I think it's probably good news that they're not going to release it. Apparently there's not enough change in it for it to be a a release. And like I said, I don't know that you can save a sinking ship. Uh, They've got so much resting on a franchise for this that it's a kind of a lose-lose either direction you go with it. My grandfather always had a saying, and it kind of uh, applies to these kind of movies, is it doesn't matter how much you polish a turd, it's still a turd. (laughs) So a Zack Snyder cut of this is just adding more toilet paper to the end of the list, I guess. Moving on. I've got a report here, it says Shane Black's The Predator sets up for two sequels. So yeah, we're getting another Predator movie, and uh, from what I've seen, it's looking pretty good. Um, of course we kind of get excited every time you see a Predator, and this is going to be more of an ultimate Predator, he's a little more, uh, weaponized than what we've seen before, I guess is what they're kind of saying. And uh, so we'll see where this leads. I wouldn't mind having another, you know, series of Predator movies. But, at the same time, you kinda gotta know when to say when. Is it a good idea to keep dragging these things on? Because you can start off with a bang and then it just start getting drugged through the mud. And that's usually what happens. So go ahead and set up for two other sequels. That could be dangerous. And you can go all the way back to the matrix with that. Seemed like a good idea. Really wasn't that good of an idea. So, uh, we'll see where this leads. Um, sequels scare the crap out of me when we start talking about them. Also, just a fact of no originality. How many times are we going to keep doing the same thing? And so, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit more, too. Here's another interesting tidbit for the, uh, the 2018 release of the new Halloween movie. I love this. This is one of my favorite things I've read. It says, uh, The Halloween 2018 originally incorporated all of the sequels when they were trying to write the script. (laughs) And here's a quote. It said, we started incorporating all the follow-ups, and then it got overwhelming trying to engineer something that made sense. Yeah, I think that was probably the problem. Every time you hear there's going to be a new Halloween movie, that's always the problem. Because what is considered canon? Can you really accept? Everything that's happened, even part three, which I'm a fan of, but really has nothing to do but trying to include all of these and make a new script and tie it back into the Jamie Lee Curtis story. Yeah, I guess you can kind of say they did it before with H2O. Was it really that great? I I don't know. I didn't care too much for it. To me, it, it really stops after, weirdly enough, after the third one. One, two, and three is about as far as I'd like to take the whole Michael Myers story. But I think it is a great idea to go back and just say, you know, forget all that mess. It was just a fever dream. We're going to pick up right after the first movie. That's ballsy, folks. Um, we'll see how this works out. I'm I'm actually anticipating it. I'm looking forward to it. The stuff that I've seen looks pretty credible. I like the idea of getting back to the basics. Every time you get back to the basics, you're getting back to what really makes these stories work. So, But I love the idea that they actually tried to incorporate all this stuff. That's just hilarious. There's no telling what kind of script came out of the end of that thing. Because how do you tie in part four, five, and six into this story that we're getting this time? It's just bonkers, man. So, yeah, glad they made the right decision there. Moving on. Here's something cool too, for all you Godzilla fans, so we got Godzilla King of Monsters coming out before too long, and from what they're showing, it says reveals a huge wealth of information about the other monsters to be joining him. Right now, according to these tidbits and Easter eggs and things that we've been kind of seeing, it looks like we're going to have Mothra, Rodan, and King Ghidorah join in the fight here. it's, the movie's going to be called King of the Monsters for a reason. It's, there's got to be a major showdown here. So, I mean, that's that's three heavy hitters right there. So we don't really know how that's going to lean. Usually Godzilla has to have a partner of sorts. Uh, that's always been weird, too, because he's the main man. But he's always had a partner kind of come and help him out at times. So we'll see how this works out. But those those are those are big ones, man. Those If you're a Godzilla fan... You're no stranger to any of those, so that's gonna be pretty awesome, I believe. Looking forward to that. Now we're gonna get into uh, something that's tied into movies, but just absolutely cracked me up when I saw this. So you've got um, where in in the UK, in London, actually, uh, they erected a massive statue of Jurassic Park's Jeff Goldblum. (laughs) Now, this statue is of him you know, with his shirt unbuttoned and he's laid back. I don't know if you've seen that picture of him, but he's like looking all kind of, I guess you'd say sexy. And for them to make this huge statue of this and just put it in London for the release of this new movie, Jurassic World, you know, it's just, it's really bizarre, I mean, but you gotta, gotta love it, man. I mean, that's, that's just, hey. You know what people like about this whole series? Jeff Goldblum. You know what people don't see enough of? Jeff Goldblum without a shirt. Well, let's just build a big statue and stick it in the middle of London. Sure, that won't cause any car wrecks. <laughs> uh, making a turn here, folks. Yeah, look out! All right. So let's. I've got another thing here. Uh, I, I really have a problem with remakes. Um, I think it's just the fact of we have so many. So not the fact of just remaking something, but the fact of, it just seems like we've completely run out of ideas. So I've got this thing I'm going to call Remake Roundup, and this will be a short one because I've only picked one in particular that was just announced. But it is being said that uh, there is a Jacob's Ladder remake in development, and I don't know, is that remakeable? probably is. Can you make it make any sense? Because the first one didn't really make any sense. Um, so I'm kind of on the ropes on this one because I kind of say don't remake it because why? <laughs> why would you attempt to? And two, I'm kind of like, you know oh what? Go ahead. Do it. Because I'd rather see a remake of a movie that never had a sequel, that has kind of lost its thunder. You don't hear a lot of people talk about it. So maybe refreshing it is a good idea instead of doing another Hellraiser movie or, you know, whatever we're doing. You know, trying to keep those kind of series alive when you can actually pick a, a story that's kind of forgotten and it's out there, but the goods are in the story. I don't know. We'll see. Um, yeah, I'm really on the ropes on this one. This this could work out to be fantastic and make the movie more even more popular than before, or it could just kind of be meh. So we'll just see how that works out. It's kind of like the same thing with Suspiria. Suspiria is known and beloved by so many horror fans. The ones that absolutely love Suspiria, which you know all the reasons why if you're a Suspiria fan, the lighting, the techniques that are are used, just the way the movie moves, it's really, really unique. It's a work of art. If you like the movie or not, it's a work of art. So to remake this and to do what the producers and the directors are doing with this and really kind of telling the same story but just in a different way, not trying to recapture the incredible lighting and stuff that Argento had done in the original. I don't know man, what I've seen of it looks really good. I'm really kind of anticipating it more than the new Halloween movie. So uh, we'll see, we'll see what kind of spin because again, the goods are in Suspiria. If it's done right and the original material is handled correctly, we could have a major movie right here so i'm excited about it we'll see how it goes i know a lot of people will disagree with that and i am a big suspiria fan so uh i don't know i can see where the possibilities would be there to bring a new group into the fold and uh let them appreciate the story that is suspiria because you got to remember regardless if it's argento dude or not argento and his surrounding people wrote this story so the story is still theirs So we're not losing a whole lot there. The story is still intact. I hope. And we'll just have to see how that works out. And I don't really know if this qualifies as a remake. It's just some more movie news, but... Folks, special announcement! Special announcement! We're getting another Robocop movie. Uh, again, do we need it? Don't really know. You've got the guy that did District 9 and... (laughs) Chappie. making the movie, which, you know, visually I can see him being a choice for this. I mean, we just had a reboot movie a few years ago and it was just okay. You know, they tried to give him this new look. It was okay, you know. Can you beat the original? It's really gonna be hard to do. There is... there's a grittiness to that movie that I don't think we can really capture anymore. Uh, not to mention Clarence Boddicker. But, uh, yeah, do we really need this? Again, we're just kind of running out of originality here. Um, find your own new superhero to make a movie about, you know. Find something that's yours. Originality. That's the key to all this. So, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens there. A little bit of TV news. And this really excites me. Uh, I don't even have Shutter, but I'm really thinking about it now because the news that's come out is Shudder is going to have a new creep show series with Greg Nicotero directing it. Now, I can't think of a better fit. I mean, you're talking about somebody that was actually involved in the original movies to begin with. Uh, he's coming, you know, turned into a director in his own right with The Walking Dead stuff. But he's always been involved with a lot of Romero stuff. So, this is as good as getting Savini to be involved or even directed, which who knows? A d- Greg Nicotero may even do a better job with it. Uh, this is exciting stuff now, because think about the way the the way the Creep Show is set up, because it's short stories. So, kind of take the idea of what Tales from the Crypt was for us through the late 80s and 90s, and turning that into the atmosphere that is Creep Show with Greg Nicotero putting it together. For a channel that is a horror channel, uh, it would seem like to me the sky's the limit on this as far as what they could do, uh, as far as gory, shocking stories and stuff. Because this is not going to be on regular television. Uh, I don't know, man. I think this is really, really exciting. I'm, I've got to see some of this because this is going to be probably what we've been waiting for for a long time. So. to me, that's just excellent news. So that's kind of it for movie news that I have uh, right now. And like I said, we're going to do updates from episode to episode and we'll be talking about different stuff. One thing I wanted to talk about is uh, something that I've kind of been watching here lately. And I don't get a chance to watch a whole lot because, just like you can tell, I spend a lot of time driving in a car, riding in a car. I'm at a stop right now waiting for these. Would y'all go on? Come on! Alright, here we go can't even get people to cross the road here. Uh, and if you're worried about me not paying attention while I'm driving, realistically, I live out in Amish country. My neighbors are Amish. The the majority of the road that I travel to work, there's not a lot of traffic on. And it's mainly kind of four lane, kind of open road. But you do get an occasional person that's, you know, backing out of a bush or something like that. So, uh, (laughs) I'm paying attention to the road folks, so don't worry, we're not going to have an on-podcast crash going on or anything, or if we do, who knows, ratings may go up. (laughs) But like I said, what I want to talk about is, on the YouTube channel, or just on YouTube in general, you've got a series that they're pushing called Cobra Kai, and I know I'm behind, it's been out for a little while, but I finally got a chance to check it out. And I really, really have been enjoying it. Now, if you don't know what Cobra Kai is, it goes back to the original Karate Kid movie from the 80s. And you're kind of picking up from that storyline. And what's cool about it is you still have William Zabka, Billy Zabka, that plays Johnny, which is the bad guy in the movie. You know, the one that gets kicked in the nose by the swan kick or the crane kick in the, you know, the the last scene of the Karate Kid. And you also have Ralph Macchio back in this playing Daniel uh, LaRusso. And this is in modern times. So all these years have passed. And the story continues. So you kind of forget the other movies that were in between there. It's kind of like the Halloween thing. You're kind of skipping some of those that happen. And, um, you know, Johnny's... The character of Johnny, which is Billy Zabka, who's also producing this thing, which is pretty awesome. So he still has a bad taste in his mouth about Daniel Uh, and basically his life is just going to absolute crap. He lives in a dump, you know, this, this place that he's staying is just not well taken care of. I don't even know that he has a job, he's broke, he drinks all the time, you know, just your typical scraping the bottom kind of guy, right? And the way the story kicks off is you're following him around and just kind of watching his character for a little bit. And he goes to a little a, a little grocery store in this little strip mall which is, you know, almost dead. And he goes in to try to buy him some beer. And this kid comes in buying some stuff. And Billy Abiga goes outside and he's just sitting there drinking his beer. And this kid comes out and this group of teenagers start picking on this kid that was in the store buying stuff. They start roughing him up, and again, you know, Johnny's just sitting there, taking it easy, not really paying attention. And then they sling the kid, and it hits hits Johnny's car, which he's still driving the same car (laughs) that he had back in the original series, and it's just all to pieces, you know. He keeps claiming it's a classic. And uh, then he gets up and starts defending the kid, and from that point, he starts teaching this kid how to defend himself. And when he starts seeing the results of this kid having self-esteem, getting stronger, not being worried about being picked on and stuff. He decides to open up the old dojo, which was Cobra Kai, which is where we get the name. That's uh, the school that that Johnny went to when he was, you know, doing the karate stuff and the martial arts and went and competed. So he opens up the dojo and he starts taking in all the kids that are the ones that are getting beat up at school. And, um, you know, it's, it's really interesting because he's gone from being the bully that beat up the kids to teaching the kids that are getting bullied to beat up the bullies. So it's a neat little twist on all that. And in the middle of all this, you got Daniel, who's Ralph Macchio, who's the the one that won everything in Karate Kid, you know. The one that was being bullied back then. He owns a, a car business. You know, you see his commercials on TV and he's like, you know, selling Lexus and Porsches. and So dude's got it made. He's got a good life and of course that just drives Johnny insane that you know things went so well for him and not so well for 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 Johnny so all this ties into play I don't want to give you much more information but I'm telling you if you enjoy the 80s if you enjoy The Karate Kid you need to check this out it's a lot of fun and the way that the first season ends it's already set for another season I mean it's already set up ready to go and these episodes are only about 20 minutes long So you can zip through them really fast. There's only 10, maybe, I think there's only 10 episodes, maybe 11, in this first season. They're well done. I really, really enjoyed it. So that's something for you to check out. So coming out of talking about a TV show, (laughs) coming out of that and talking about a TV show that really relates back to the 80s, something else I want to do in the middle of this show is something that I'm going to call 80s song of the day. Because, again, hey, I love the 80s. I think some of the most fun songs came out in this time period. So, for all of you that uh, are driving or trying to wake up, I want to try to give you a little pump in the morning. Even though it's just some old nostalgic stuff, It's just some fun tunes. And the first one that I want to pick out is a classic close to my heart. You've heard it a million times. And this one goes out to all my Twisted Sister fans out there, man. Yeah, back in the day, big Twisted Sister fan. So this goes out to all you SMFs out there. And that's, if you're a Twisted Sister fan, you know exactly what that means. So here we go. Reach down, touch your video screen, touch your volume knob, crank it up. Here's Twisted Sister with We're Not Gonna Take It. stuff, man. I was uh, 14 when this album, Stay Hungry, came out. I love every song on there. To me, it's just one of those albums that's just great from beginning to end. Every song's a classic. But this is the one you heard on the radio all the time. And the great thing about it was this really represented me at that time. And that's kind of why I wanted to bring it up because to me, and I think you're already realizing just from the things that I talk about, the things that I enjoy, the things that I like, are escapism. Getting away from everyday life. You know, life is hard enough as it is. And I know that you know people like country music and stuff because they relate to it. It's reflecting on their lives. Well, you know, I always wanted something that took me away from my life. I wanted something bigger and better. And that's what music, that's what movies, TV, all these things were, were escaping my life, taking me somewhere else. You know, when I go to the movies, I want to see something that's just some popcorn fun because when I leave there, I gotta go back to, you know, paying the bills or, you know, mowing my mother-in-law's yard, whatever it may be. You know, so it's the escapism is what I loved about it. And that's, you can tie that all the way back to just me being a kid. Um, I grew up in the 70s, so obviously I grew up a KISS fan. KISS was the biggest thing on the planet at the time. And when you're a kid of eight or nine years old, and this is the biggest thing going, and they were... it's hard to make people understand, they were superheroes. They were beyond a band. And, you know, looking back at it now, I guess for people that weren't into it or didn't get it, you know, it may seem a bit ridiculous. But I can tell you for a fact that even kids now, especially with like the Scooby-Doo cartoon and stuff like that, kids now are still drawn to the appeal of these four rock and roll guys that are beyond rock and roll guys. And that's exactly what they were for us. It was escapism. These are who we wanted to be. I remember on the playground playing and wanting to be KISS. We would be superheroes playing KISS. And uh, you know, that's kind of what that was. The the mentality of what it meant to be a KISS fan was you can do anything in life you want to do. You know, were they the best musicians? No, but it was the message. You can be anything in life you want to be just stick to your guns, believe in yourself. I, I can't believe that it turned into a message of satanic worship and all this stuff. You know, I remember my mom coming in with my Kiss record, saying it stood for you know knights in Satan service and all this stuff, and I'm like, no, man, this—they're just a rock band. And uh, But the message was always, you know, live life to the fullest. Now, it may not be the most clean-cut way of living, but it was life is a good thing and you need to enjoy it and be whatever you want to be, regardless of what people tell you, regardless of what the critics say. Be what you want to be. Be true to yourself. So, that's really the, the nuts and bolts of being a KISS fan. And because of that, growing up through life, those were the influences I had, and those were the things that I looked for. And maybe that's where you are too. That's what it was for me. And uh, somehow, as weird as that is, the escape-ism thing is what you're related to the most. I can give you another example too. There was a there was a show that came on when I was a kid as well, around the same time period. Actually, it actually came out in 76, and it was called Monster Squad. Now, of course we've had the movie, and I believe that it's kind of a reflection of the idea. It's... it's you know, maybe only in name only does it reference it, but it's easy to see where the two can get intertwined because you got some of the same characters in it. But the original series that came on TV, you had Gopher from, from The Love Boat, who is, you know, Fred Grandy, played uh, played this character that he controlled Frankenstein, Dracula, and the Wolfman. And they were like wax figures, which is another thing that ties into a Kiss story. Um, but they were these wax figures that would come to life, he would hit a little transistor radio thing or, you know, some kind of little control. They would come to life and they were superheroes. He would load them up in a big hoopty 70 van <laughs> and they would go fight crime. And that's what I loved about the 70s because anything goes, man. Just the most drug-induced TV shows for kids. (laughs) That was the best time, man, because you can have a show about... Oh, look out. There we go. Sorry about that. You have to do 70s TV shows for kids that probably shouldn't have been for kids. You know, I think about, you know, Sigmund the Sea Monster, H.R. Puff and stuff. All these Sid and Marty Croft stuff, which you know they were just... You know, passing a doobie around and saying, Hey, let's make a show where the trees talk, man. <laughs> so when you look at this stuff, yeah, that's what we were exposed to. Maybe that's why I'm warped. I grew up with Sid Martycroft and the Monster Squad. But really, how cool is that for these icons of horror to be superheroes? And, uh... Yeah, man, that was that was a big thing. And the thing about it, was, uh, just like with the KISS thing, I remember on the playground playing Monster Squad. And you always wanted to be either the Wolfman or Frankenstein Dracula. You never wanted to be Gopher. <laughs> you want, you didn't want to be the guy that controlled them. You wanted to be one of the monsters because you are going to find somebody else that was a bad guy and beat him up. And uh, so, yeah, that kind of ties into all that. And since we're on this 80s kick... I'm going to kind of do a short little movie review that, you know, I'm trying to find stuff that may not be top shelf. I, well, scratch that. It's anything goes here. I'm basically going to talk about a movie that that I really care about, and it can change from day to day what genre it is. It doesn't really matter. It's just kind of whatever is hot on my mind at the time, just like the song of the day. It doesn't really matter what format it is or what band it is, any of that stuff. Is it cool or not? That's kind of the point. And being we're kind of on this kick about rock bands and Kiss and Monsters and Twisted Sister, I'm going to talk about a movie that came out in 1986 called Trick or Treat. Now, yeah, we've had another movie called Trick or Treat come out recently. Well, this is not it. (laughs) For you that know this movie, most most people that I know that know this movie really like this movie. Uh, I don't know many fans that just go, yeah, it was okay. You either really got into it, or you didn't like it, or you just haven't seen it. That's usually how this works out. I happen to absolutely love this movie because it was everything that spoke to me at this age. In 86, I was 16. So, you're right at that age to where it's you against the world, right? And that's kind of the story with this. And this is right at the height of the satanic panic that we had back then where everybody was totally scared of the satanic music and it's ruining kids lives and all this kind of mentality of, you know, even putting warning labels on stickers and st- on uh, CDs and cassettes and all that stuff which was just ridiculous because when you did that, you know, the PMRC went through this whole process of putting warning labels on these. Yeah, that kept kids from wanting to buy them, right? Yeah, just like putting warnings on cigarettes or beer and stuff. Because you put the warnings on it, makes it dangerous, it means the kids want it. They're gonna get it one way or the other. So, yeah, not a smart move. But anyways, this movie breaks down about a singer named Sammy Kerr. I've got a little IMBD reading of it right here. Let's see what it says. First off, it got a 5.8 out of 10 on IMBD. It's an hour and 38 minutes long. And Sammy Kerr was an infamous rock star who died under mysterious circumstances. Now he wants to come back to life. Doing so requires possessing radio waves and automobiles, and making a few human sacrifices. <laughs> that's uh, that's pretty vague for this movie. I, I guess that's it in a nutshell, but we're missing a lot of details here. Uh, it also stars... where are we at here? It stars Mark Price, who plays the Ragman or, or Eddie. He kind of goes by two names. He's got a nickname, Ragman. And uh, so Mark Price, he was also skippy on Family Ties. And this is really the only other thing I really ever saw him in. And Tony Fields plays Sammy Kerr. (laughs) Tony Fields was a solid gold dancer. If you don't know what a solid gold dancer is, just Google it. Go to YouTube, type in solid gold, and just watch for about three minutes. You're going to be shocked. This was one of the biggest TV shows in the 80s because you know MTV wasn't uh, available everywhere so all the major networks started making all these shows to try to compre- you know compete not really compete but to have a piece of that uh, that money that was going out there for these kind of things so it was a, a you know a music show with these dancers on there and there was like 20 people on this show that were all dancers. And by today's standard it's not dancing at all. It's almost like I don't know ballet of sorts. So anyways, the the fact of this guy, Sammy Kerr, is supposed to be you know one part Alice Cooper, one part Ozzy Osbourne uh, you know, he, uh, one part Motley Crew. He's one of these characters that's supposed to be the the satanic person, controversial, you know, person on stage. You know, he gets on stage and bites a snake's head off and all these things, you know, the the, the legends of, you know, the 80s bad guys, Ozzy and all that stuff, biting the bat and all that crazy crap. Um, so they build him up to be this baddie and, uh, he gets killed and the Ragman, or Eddie, is a huge, huge fan Depends on his music to get him through on on everyday, day-to-day life. And when he finds out he dies, he's really upset. And the local DJ, which Sammy Kerr happens to be from this same town that this kid's growing up in. And a local DJ, played by Gene Simmons, that's right, from KISS, uh, has an acid tape, which is just a single recording. There's no other copies of it. It's the original copy. And it's close to Halloween. And he's going to play this version of this lost album and uh, play it at midnight on Halloween. Well, he gives it to to Eddie. Eddie takes it home and starts using it or listening to it. And through the recording, Sammy Kerr comes back alive. <laughs> and uh, again, the funny thing about this is Sammy Kerr playing or, or Tony Fields playing Sammy Kerr is just the fact of, again, solid gold dancer. It, it's almost the equivalent of Rob Halford coming out of the closet when you you know when you said this is the metal god and he comes out and it's basically hi i'm the metal god Uh, (laughs) same comparison here uh, for this to be a all-out metal dude and he's anything but Uh, but still it works i think there's some scenes that still is a lot of fun uh, some decent effects for the times, but it's just the fact that you're tying it all in together. And the other part about this that makes it awesome is the soundtrack for this movie is absolutely balls. It is, it's it's my favorite soundtrack for a movie, period, because it's not a typical soundtrack. It's all done by a group called Fastway, who were a legit band back at the time. Had, had a few radio hits, and uh, So, to have this band do a total soundtrack, and it really was like a greatest hits for them. They just pulled songs from from different albums, slapped them all together, and then did a couple of of exclusive songs just for this movie to add to the soundtrack. And, uh, man, just an amazing soundtrack. So, the problem now with this movie, as far as finding it, is... uh, it's kind of locked up because I think Fastway, either for royalty reasons or they just couldn't work out a deal, but they won't allow them to release it on a Blu-ray or anything like that because, you know, they can't settle on royalty you know, rights and all that kind of stuff. So shame on you, Fastway, for holding back a movie that I absolutely love from getting the treatment that it deserves because all you can really find is some half-done, You know, pan and scan DVDs of this thing, or you have to order a bootleg from another country where they actually did release it on Blu-ray. So, uh, shame on you for preventing us having this copy of this movie. And then on the other side, we applaud you, Fastway, for standing up, (laughs) stand up and be counted, which is one of the songs on there, for uh, you know defending yourselves and you know getting your getting your share. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the fence on that one too. But, uh, this is fantastic. The movie, or the music ties it all together. It's, it's just, uh, it's a trip. <laughs> and like I said, it really plays off the satanic panic stuff, and you know, he, Sammy starts helping Eddie start, uh, righting some wrongs. You know, uh, again, it's another bully situation, so he starts, uh, Sammy starts giving him the abilities to take care of some of these bullies, and uh, he starts feeling good about the situation but then suddenly I think you start realizing that maybe bringing back a satanic you know music guy that was really evil back to life is probably not a good idea because his intentions are probably a little more than just helping a dude out so uh, I'm gonna leave it at that so you can check this movie out but uh, I figure while we're here hey I'm gonna go ahead and play one of these tracks off this soundtrack so here's fast way this is the opening track for the movie Um, here you go again crank it up let's go right there man Uh, and again every song on this is just just awesome it's it's a a really great great soundtrack I wore this Joker out. I had three copies of it on cassette back in the day wore them all out I've had it on CD a few times every device that I have that plays music it's on there I just I love these songs and again it just ties into the nostalgia of the whole thing taking you back to that time period so we're getting close to wrapping things up here Uh, One thing I want to talk about real quick is, uh, again, just some pod updates, right? So, updates on my shows of what's going on. So, Hell Ming, we're in the process of recording some new stuff. I believe we're going to be doing The Lost Boys and, believe it or not, Monster Squad. Those should be coming up in the next few weeks. Uh, As far as Short Bus, we've got some more guests lined up. We are looking at, ironically, uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom. Which is a treat for for those people watching that, and we've got some guest guest lineup coming up that uh, we're still working out some details on. And uh, man, that show is just a whole bunch of fun. And for House of Wax, just released the Phantasm episode, and I'm not exactly sure just what I'm going to be working on yet. I've got some requests. For some shows that I need to get done but uh, be looking for those they'll be coming out pretty soon but I also want to talk about podcasts you should check out if you're a podcast listener then here's some options for you that are some shows that I just absolutely love and one of them is the witch versus the doomsday clock man I love the show I love the witch he's a ton of fun it's a little bitty short episode shorter than this um, I know I'm kind of rambling but hey I'm still driving But uh, his shows are quick little interview shows where he he reviews a movie, but he's doing it from the future. And, uh... Oh, man. You you have to check it out. He has guests on pretty much every episode, covering some wacky movies, and just giving you a rundown in a very hysterical way. Very well produced. Great, great show. That's The Witch versus The Doomsday Clock. And he's a member of, of Legion Podcast, as myself. All my shows are on Legion Podcast. So, uh, he is, uh... He is one to definitely check out. You can't go wrong listening to The Witch versus Doomsday Clock. So that's my recommendation for this episode. So, from here, I just want to take it to a point of saying, if you have any questions or comments or any requests for some songs, if you have uh, some movie requests or episode requests, things you would like for me to talk about, any questions you would like for me to answer on air, some 80s songs you'd want me to play, all these things are totally available, and all you do is request it at my, my Gmail page, which is undermywheelspod at gmail.com. So don't forget that, undermywheelspod, all one word, at gmail.com. And send all your messages there, and also join our group on the Facebook page. Uh, just look us up, undermywheelspod.com pod and uh, join us there it's going to be a whole lot of fun and very interactive group i've got some to follow from all the others different shows but we'd be glad to have you there and just be a part of the the under the wheels family so till then folks I appreciate you hanging out with us. If you've got any comments of what you like about the show, what you don't like about this show, hey, feel free to let me know because I'm only wanting to get better and I want this to be as fun as possible. Till then, folks, take care of yourselves and keep it between the lines.